Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 67 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Greg Verdino of Verdino & Company, the consultancy he started with his wife to help clients get the attention, engagement, and outcomes they need by giving their audiences content they'll crave. Today, he shares how content marketing is evolving and how your agency can stay ahead of the curve. Typically on the podcast, I focus on the business side of things, how to get clients, streamline your processes, that sort of thing. But today we get a bit more into the nuts and bolts of content marketing for your clients as well as your agency. I wanted to take this approach because as more and more agencies start offering content and inbound marketing services, it seems like many are simply trying to check the box of, do we have an active blog, without really thinking about the end goal. Greg shares why this approach to content marketing isn't effective, why content needs to be at the core of the entire company, how this changes the agency-client relationship, and what this looks like in practice. If your clients aren't getting the results they are looking for from content, or even if you aren't getting those results for your agency, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Greg. Greg, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. Of course. And I want to start by talking about something you said in another interview of yours with Drew McClellan. It was that you said content has gone from something that pecks around the edges to something that has to be at the core of the entire company. Can you explain what you mean by that? Sure. So um, I'm going to speak here not specifically to agencies necessarily, but it's relevant for agencies and it speaks certainly to the clients agencies work with. Um, I think that uh, for years and years and years, companies have created content. Um, and now obviously with content marketing at the sort of with so much focus on content marketing, more and more companies are creating more and more content. But I think it tends to be in a lot of instances very much siloed and thought of as an afterthought for the business, that it lives in the marketing department or within the marketing department, it lives with the content marketer. Uh, and companies don't really think about the extent to which their 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 customer and their prospect is first and foremost engaging with the content of the company even more so than they engage with the product of the company. Uh, so when I talk about content moving to the center of the business, what I'm really speaking to is um, a shift in mindset first and foremost, where a company needs to think of content as a core service of the business, that it's one of the primary ways the company creates value for its customers. Um, and second, a shift in approach, that we start to think of content and approach content in a way that recognizes that every piece of information we provide, every proposal we send, every email we send, um, all of that is driven by content. Um, and it's important that the you know a single content strategy informs all of it, that the entire company is speaking with a single voice, that everyone understands exactly how all of these little pieces, even if it's micro content, fits into the way the company engages with its customers. Interesting. And how does this typically look in, in practice? Sure. So I, somebody has to own content and own the content process for sure. Um, so I think it's in many ways, it's a matter of that owner not being sort of the, in some cases, the one person show. In other cases, it could be a few person show. Um, and making sure that everybody else in the organization understands 
how content affects what they do and the role they play and how what they do affects the content. So we do a lot of work with customers and sometimes those customers will be, you know, many times those customers will be marketers. Um, and it could be somebody inside the marketing department that's got content on their business card, but sometimes it could be a marketing director. It could be a chief marketing officer and a certain customer. Um, and, um, you know, I think a lot of times we'll begin with them um, and we will work with them to really understand and identify who the other stakeholders are across the business and begin to engage with those stakeholders to understand what content is valuable in their day-to-day, what value content is valuable to their stakeholders, whether those are internal or external stakeholders, and how they use content to be more effective. So it's not just the content marketer, for example, coming up with a strategy or a content calendar or even a set of assets, um, but instead understanding, say, you know, how are the salespeople in my organization going to use this content to engage with customers? How can human resources use content to better educate, inform, and engage employees? How does the CEO of the company express herself, and how can we echo that in the way we express ourselves in content, and what assets can we provide her to support her communications initiatives, both inside and outside the organization? So it really begins with understanding the perspectives of different stakeholders and then providing those stakeholders with the right tools at the right time so they can communicate with the people that are most important to them. I mean, you, you covered so much right then. And it's funny because when you look at a lot of content agencies or you look at a lot of businesses with a content marketer or content even uh, team, so many times, all that really means is they have someone that manages their blog. And maybe maybe they're going to have a couple of content upgrades and a few other things like that. But for the most part, when people think content, all they're thinking about is blog content. And it can be so much more than that. And so when you're working with clients, when you're helping them create a real holistic content strategy – what actually goes into it? How do you try to tie all of this together in a way that actually works? Sure. So there are a few things we'll typically look at on the front end of a content strategy approach. Um, so obviously, it's important to understand the audience for the content. I'm saying audience singular, but of course, in practice, it could be many different audiences uh, for different types of content. But you have to understand your audience, obviously, and you have to understand what's important to that audience. So whether that means um, doing the research to build out good, robust personas for each audience segment, uh, which any agencies, particularly agencies that are doing business to business, certainly understand buyer personas. Um, so building out personas and understanding who the audience is. We do a lot of work with customer journey mapping. So really, and a lot of the work we do here at the agency is business to business. So we do a lot of work with customer journey mapping and really understanding what's the sales cycle, what process do potential customers go through during that cycle, um, and what process do or uh, set of steps will an existing customer go through during their entire life cycle and you know essentially we ask two key questions or several key questions but I think two are particularly important one is what information do they need in other words what do they need to know at each stage of the cycle and what do they need to do or accomplish at each stage of the cycle um, because that allows us to be get to get into the head of the customer a bit and really understand well if they need this information or they need to complete 
complete this task in order to feel that they're prepared to move to the next cycle in their decision-making process, the next step in their decision-making process, it allows us to begin to make some, uh, in some cases, assumptions, in other cases, better than assumptions about how we can best serve their needs for that information and how we can provide the right assets or resources at each stage. I talked with a lot of inbound agencies and inbound marketing has been all the rage for a while. And now content marketing is obviously very, very similar to a lot of that sort of manifesto. But with typical inbound marketing agencies, a lot of the pitch is just, hey, we can come in, we'll handle all of this for you. You'll get some leads out of it. You'll get this and you can just focus on your business and we'll focus on the content. Does that strategy still work? Like, is that something that agencies can continue to offer sort of that hands-off approach where it really isn't integrated with the rest of the company? <laughs> I think the answer is yes and no. Um, I think it does still work to an extent for certain kinds of companies as a temporary solution. Um, I think where it starts to get tricky is when an organization relies too heavily on outside partners. You know, in, in a way, it kind of kills me to say that, right? Because we're an agency. And while a good chunk of the work we do is strategic in nature, uh, at the same time, we also run a content production studio. We do produce content for clients. Uh, but what we found is that the clients who, you know, just want to totally offload it to a third party tend not to get the greatest value from the content. Um, and the companies that, either work in partnership with us, meaning, you know, in a lot of instances, we will work hand in hand with the thought leaders inside an organization um, to understand their unique perspectives, the things that make their um, their points of view and their ideas and their thought leadership truly unique and differentiated. You know, that allows us to really get inside their heads and really understand how to express their ideas in the best possible way. And then we kind of pick it up and essentially act as their fingers on keys or, or 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 whatever the case may be because they may not have the time to produce the content or in a lot of cases the aptitude to produce the content. I don't mean that in a derogatory way necessarily, but what we find a lot of times is somebody who's living day to day inside the nitty gritty of a product, let's say, uh, knows the product really well, understands their audience intimately, but can't always articulate their ideas in a clear, succinct, and and resonant way um, that's that's interesting to 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 the audience. So you know we do a lot of work helping with that kind of thing. So we're not necessarily taking the full process and the full burden of content production off of their hands, but instead helping them to find ways to express their ideas in the best possible way. To the point you made in your question about you know is this you know is this viable in a day where you know in in, in a time when content needs to be at the center of the company. Um, I think ultimately content has to move into the company. And that doesn't mean there's no role for agencies to play and there's no role for outside technology like inbound marketing, you know, applications and so forth. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's, it's as acceptable as it once was for an organization to say, here, you just handle it for us. 
I think that makes a ton of sense. And a lot of it, in my mind, comes down to the fact that what you're talking about seems like you're changing the agency-client relationship, at least as it pertains to content, from that of a vendor to a client to that of you're becoming a real partner with them. You're not just someone you can hand off, will churn out some content and give it back to them. You're someone who's helping them integrate this into the rest of their business, figuring out what actually matters in helping them produce it. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. And the parallel I would make here too is that at the same time, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of the work we do, especially on the strategy end of our content work, um, is, you know, ostensibly about content, but more often it's about helping the company or the people in the company really enact a culture shift and a mindset shift and rethink the role of content in their business and sometimes look for ways to uh, break down silos and to be more collaborative across the organization, to think more holistically about the solutions they provide and the challenges they solve. So it, it's it's interesting work and I think you're, you're – um, your your kind of point about going from essentially vendor to partner is spot on and i think that i think that ultimately when the production can be commoditized it's the strategic support and partnership that becomes the most valuable service an agency can provide and then to do that though because it is such a departure from the way a lot of clients are expecting agencies to act especially in regards to content how much do you need to educate the client to get them ready to work with you? Or or are you simply only working with people who already are on board with this? I would say for us, for a small an agency of our size, you know, we're a small shop. I think like I would imagine most of the agencies that are you know, the agency execs that are tuned into this podcast, you know, we have generally focused on the lower hanging fruit. I won't say the lowest hanging fruit, but we tend to attract clients who are open to these more collaborative, more partner-oriented ways of working. And we frankly tend to, um, you know, we we don't turn away tons of business, but we will turn away a client that we feel is not right for us. Um, you know, so, but that said, you know, there are clients who are already thinking this way. They're already, um, expecting this kind of partnership from their agencies and they understand it's not in their vested interest to just jump straight into tactical execution. Um, but then there are others who do need education. Um, and I think that's an interesting place for agencies to play potentially in, um, you know, in, in their content is helping to educate their clients about what it's like to have a true partner in a marketing agency. And so when you do work with these clients, what does an engagement typically look like? Are you coming in first and, and doing discovery, doing road mapping, like planning out the engagement? How much of it is strategy before you do start to give them tangible deliverables? I would say that, I mean, a good amount of the work we do is strategy. And it's, it's essentially, you know, more or less structured the way you just described it. There'll be a discovery phase where we really kind of peel back the cover of the business, understand what they've been doing um, for content. Often we'll be, you know, doing audits and assessments and inventories of the content they do have. We'll obviously be digging into historical performance of that content to really understand what's worked, what hasn't worked. We'll interview stakeholders inside and outside the the company uh, will then translate everything we found into insights that we can then use to structure some kind of a content strategy and roadmap. What I'll add here is that um, 
knowing that cl- understanding obviously that clients get very even clients who are totally on board with the strategy process and understand the value that a written content strategy has for the organization um, don't want to wait three months for that um, so we've actually gotten pretty good at being laser focused in terms of the kind of discovery we do and being able to condense the content strategy process down to a four to six week cycle and the deliverables are leaner and the process we use is more agile um, and we deliver essentially in a it even even deliver those things in a more collaborative way where we have a bit of like an open window into the work we're doing with a lot of checkpoints with the client and sharing work in progress so they see exactly where it's going um, so that by the time they actually see the final strategy they're already bought into it because they've had a say in, 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 in many stages across the entire process so that we can very quickly then get into production. And one thing I, I want to talk about to get a little bit actionable into, into the details a little bit is because when I, working with different content agencies, seeing a lot of the content out there is that so many times when content is created by an outside partner, an outside agency, an outside vendor, whatever you want to call it, it is just it's not good. It's really generic and it's, it's supposed to be written for experts, for people in this field, but you can tell it's written by someone who maybe read a couple Wikipedia pages about the subject and then just got to work. How are you able to deliver high quality content to your clients without necessarily having domain expertise in the field? You know, I think that's where, um, are the extent to which we partner with the thought leaders inside the organization really helps us. Um, so we use a particular methodology. We didn't invent it. You know, I'm sure you can Google it and find other examples of it. You know, so we'll use, for example, partner writing, um, which essentially is a process that takes a thought leader in sh- inside the organization who has this deep domain expertise and somebody on our side of the table who has deep content expertise. And we essentially act as translators. So while we will certainly round out what we get from the thought leader with additional research and, and so on, uh, what we're really looking to do is express the ideas of the thought leader in a way that's going to be palatable to the audience the thought leader is trying to reach. So uh, I, that's one of the key ways we overcome that. So you know that might in certain cases mean conducting an interview with an expert inside the organization. They've got to devote an hour, but then they don't have to devote the three to four hours it takes to translate that into a white paper, an ebook, a set of blog posts, a slideshow, whatever the right format is, or potentially multiple, you know, formats. Um, you know, so it, it, it really kind of, it, it saves them a lot of time and a lot of aggravation. And of course, they get to approve it at the end, but you know, we take on the heavy lifting of the, of the creation of the content, but we never, um, you know, we don't really look to we're not expressing our own ideas. We're expressing his or her ideas. Um, and I think in that way, we've been able to overcome the challenge that you described, which is, you know, this very lightweight, 
um, kind of generic content. Um, you know, we even before we get into that process of working one on one with the experts in the organization, you know, we also do a good amount of work in the strategy process. You know, I talked about discovery before, but you know, we also work with our clients to develop their editorial mission statement, to craft their messaging strategy and their messaging hierarchy, um, to identify the right support points for each of those messages, um, and to you know really come up with a unique story um, for each of these organizations or a unique narrative, I guess more properly, that each of the stories we tell in partnership with the internal experts uh, supports. Um, so I think, you know, it's not just how do you create a unique and compelling asset, but it's also what is the big picture that the client's trying to paint um, and helping them to really clarify that and crystallize it and frankly vet it against competitive stories so that we understand whether it truly is differentiated. I see. And I mean, because that's, that's one of the things that so often with content, I mean, obviously SEO is an important consideration with any content strategy, but if you're just randomly picking keywords you want to target and writing about that, you don't have a coherent voice. You don't have a coherent purpose of your content and people are going to get that. It's just going to be a bunch of random posts up on your site. It's going to be a random collection of, of slides of whatever form the content is taking and that if you have a true mission statement guiding that content then you you can see how it all fits together and how it really does contribute to the overall brand that is putting it all out there right so i mean obviously i'm not going to say it's not important to um you know to optimize content for search but i do think it's also it's equally important to understand that all fundamentally at the end of the day you're writing for a human reader um, obviously, the content needs to be found, but once it's found, it can't come across as a keyword stuffed, you know, jargon ridden piece of garbage. <laughs> and, um, you know, so you are writing for a human reader, and that's where things like voice and opinion and perspective and, and all of that comes into play um, and can make a world of difference in terms of how engaging the content is. Um, but to your point, your bigger point about having a, an overarching mission, you know, we absolutely be firmly believe every client we work with needs a content mission statement or an editorial mission statement. Um, and then from there, what we do is we'll typically figure out what are the key themes and topics that nest properly under that mission statement. So I would rather see a client own mind space around a single theme or topic that publish lots and lots of stuff on lots and lots of different themes or topics and never actually get any, any traction on any one of those. Is the ultimate goal for your clients to become an authority, to become the go-to company for... X like like for it might be narrowly defined it might be whatever but it, is that the real goal is authority? Um, not, I mean no. I think okay. authority is the means, not the end. You know, ultimately these clients are looking to you know our clients, and I would think any client that engages in the business of content to whatever extent. Audience is a means to an end, and authority is a means to an end. Ultimately, they're looking for business results. Um, now, being seen as an authority might 
be tied to a business result related to, you know, awareness and preference, right? Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, they want to make sure that when people have engaged with their content on a consistent basis, those people are more inclined to typically buy. Um, and if they're existing customers, they're more inclined to stay even when competitors are knocking on their door. And those are the two most consistent um, or most common um, sort of outcomes that our clients are looking for. Either will this help somebody buy from me or will it keep somebody from going elsewhere, um, you know, when, you know, between, you know, after they buy and before the next time they have to buy. A lot, and, and for a lot of these clients, the, you know, the visibility, the authority, the trust they build become the vehicles they use instead of, you know, traditional advertising reach and frequency. Because obviously there's a lot of tools out there that help tie things together for the acquisition side, for seeing how content is leading to, to new customers. But how are you measuring that for your clients for the retention side to see if it is helping people stay around longer? So I'm not going to pretend that we've got the perfect answer there. Um, and, you know, and frankly, sometimes even we don't even have full visibility into the data there. You know, a lot of our post-purchase content um, tends to live in um, in uh, sort of private channels. Either you know there are you know kind of post sale customer engagement streams. Maybe they're being maybe it's a series of emails. Um, maybe it's an ongoing newsletter. Um, maybe it's you know it could be anything. It could be customer webinars. It could be you know, there's a wide variety of things. It could be um, you know we as an agency ourselves don't do a lot of sort of post purchase content that live out on public channels. Other agencies do obviously, but for us a lot of that post purchase content lives in you know in these sort of direct communication channels you know so for us I mean obviously there is some ability to say okay this client's been getting the monthly newsletter for two and a half years and they have not churned um, so that kind of stuff gives us some good indicators how have you applied this content strategy from the, this core strategy in your own agency um, you know, we've, and, you know, I, I have no problem being brutally honest and, um, you know, with myself, um, you know, I do feel frankly that to some extent we've suffered a bit from cobbler's children syndrome, you know, we, we kind of in a way almost, um, almost view the, um, our content plan almost as like a test kitchen. <laughs> um, I mean, we certainly have done the things that, you know, the basic things related to content strategy that we would advise any of our clients to do. So we have our own content mission statement and we have, um, you know, we have a messaging hierarchy. Uh, we have a written voice and tone that informs, you know, both the copy on the, you know, the copy on the website, the way we write the blog, we, the way we write blog posts, the language that goes into our proposals, all of that stuff. Um, so we have you know, a, a level of consistency across everything we do, uh, where I think we've faltered a bit is frankly is and I think a lot of agencies and a lot of consultancies of all kinds suffer from this a little bit is a tendency to talk about what we think is important uh, a little bit more than we should um, and you know one of the things we're kind of on a little bit of a content creation hiatus for our own agency right now because we're rethinking the strategy and you know we don't want to be throwing more and more content at the market if we aren't 100% confident it's the content that the market wants. And 
a good example is, you know, we're a content agency. So therefore, when we blog, we blog about content. We write, we send out our newsletter. We, we're going to curate articles about content. And the truth of the matter is most of our target clients probably think about content 10% of their day, right? Uh, we think about it 100% of the time. And if we're lucky, right, if we're lucky, they're thinking about it 10% of the time. So we've been talking to a lot of customers and a lot of prospects about, you know, what they would find most valuable from us. And what we're hearing is that it's less about content, surprise, surprise, and it's more about the things that are affecting their business on the day-to-day with the hook being, and how does content help us solve those challenges or meet those opportunities. Um, so what we're seeing is actually a essentially a need to go deeper. You know, we're thinking potentially doing kind of more sort of thoughtful think pieces around key trends and tying them to the role content plays in helping our target organizations tap into those trends or address those trends or respond to those trends. Um, but in a, in a different media, more, um, you know, sort of more, uh, provocative and thoughtful way, as opposed to blogging once a week that, you know, in, in about something that everybody else is writing about, even if our, even if our, even if our thinking might be unique and some of the things we say might be unique, does the world really need another content marketing blog or another content strategy blog? And the answer, of course, is no. And so who then are the organizations that you're interested in? Like what are, what does your target prospect look like? So, I mean, for us, um, and obviously this is going to be different for every agency, so I wouldn't, nobody should generalize um, <laughs> from this, but um, our sweet spot is um, B2B with a specific bent inside that towards, I would say, mostly technology and fintech, um, you know, broadly speaking, technology and fintech specifically. And I think the common, although we do some other work with, you know, companies that are working in the nonprofit space um, as well, but I think that the common thread across all of our clients tends to be that they have a complicated story that's difficult to convey and they need help under, you know, kind of figuring out how to, um, how to convey something complicated in a way that isn't, or isn't, or maybe something complex in a way that isn't complicated. <laughs> You know, because I think in what we find, and you know, sometimes, especially for our smaller clients, meaning organizations that may not have, you know, a hundred person marketing department, um, you know, because we do work with mid to large size customers, but we also have some smaller clients. Um, and in, in the case of the smaller clients, we might find ourselves working directly with a CEO or a founder. Um, and those are the kinds of people that are so wrapped up in the, um, in the details of the business that they just don't know how to get their story out. And it actually holds their business back. Mm. And I, I like how you brought it down and kind of synthesized it around the idea of telling a complicated story in a simple way. Because what I was going to ask about is that for so many agencies, if they're thinking about their own content strategy, it's that if they're working with anybody and everybody, anyone with an open checkbook, they all have different problems. So it's very hard to speak to them when they're suffering different things. And that's why I think so many agencies default to just writing about what they think is interesting. Mm -hmm. If another agency, say, or an, a client of yours, whoever doesn't really have that common thread, 
Where do you begin with helping them create a content strategy? I would argue that if any company, um, and certainly an agency, is serving anybody and everybody, they probably have a business strategy problem before they have a content strategy problem. Um, but so that would be one thing is, you know, I do think that, and, you know, this is not uncommon with any kind, you know, even a lot of the kinds of companies that will serve um, is, is really, you know, I think even before you get into content strategy is really stepping back and figuring out, do we have a clear enough and compelling enough value proposition for a specific customer type or a smallish set of specific customer types um, that might have a common challenge that they're facing. Um, I think once you've done that, you then have a much better opportunity to say, okay, well, if we've identified a customer type or a small set of customer types and we know that they have a set of challenges in common, now at least you have a basic foundation to start to think about how do we help them um, get their heads around that challenge through the content that we create. Um, if, in fact, you're more of a generalist agency, I would still say that there are probably common um, sort of common um, points or common threads that could be um, kind of woven through virtually any client type. So, um, for example, I mean, just the thing that I just said to you that you, you know, you took to and repeated back about uh, simplifying a complicated story. Um, that's not unique just to the few types of content of clients we serve. Obviously, that could be true of a great variety of organizations, you know, from consumer electronics to even sometimes consumer packaged goods. <laughs> um, you know, so this idea of, you know, kind of theming a blog around simplifying the complex could be an interesting angle. Um, if you tend to um, serve smaller clients, you might you know, say, well, you know, what they have in common is limited resources. So let's write about how you turn um, limitations into opportunities, right? I'm just obviously making these things up right now. I think if you're creative about it, you can come up with these common themes that are a bit less beholden to the we create advertising or we create content or we cre or we do PR, therefore we will write about those tactics. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's really what it all comes down to is understanding what the client ultimately wants. They're not coming to you because they just want a ton of content and if you give them content, they're going to be happy. They're coming to you because there's a business problem that they're hoping content will solve for them. So if you can narrow in on, on what business problems, even if you can't get laser focused, the, the closer you can get to a consistent theme that isn't beaten to death in, in the market out there already is probably a good source to, to look into for creating these content ideas. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And, you know, I, the thing that I'll add is um, this is particularly important, I think, at the top end of the funnel, if there even is a funnel anymore, right? But at the early stages of a journey, um, it's particularly important because, you know, the client may not know they're looking for content and they may not realize content is the solution to their problem or whatever the agency does, advertising, PR, websites, whatever. Um, what they know is they have a problem. Um, and, you know, when you get further down the funnel or later into the journey, there's absolutely a place to get real about what you provide and why what you provide helps to solve the problem they have. Um, but I think you miss a lot of those people who are early in the process if you jump straight to your solution. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's a really good way of putting it because it's even if if you just start from the beginning by just talking about content marketing, content marketing rather than their business problem, you're only really going to attract the people who already know what they want. And if they can already identify that, there's probably a good chance that they're looking at other content providers as well. They're looking at other alternatives and they're going to be much more price sensitive. But when they see you as someone who can solve their business problems and content or website or, or PPC, whatever it is, is a way to solve that, then you're on a different playing field because they're not comparing you to other vendors. They trust you like a partner. They trust you as someone that they can go to for advice on how to improve their business. Right, exactly. And ultimately, yeah, for any agency, I think that's the enviable position to be in. I'm going to stop Greg right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent that makes it easier for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to Talent hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff, H-U-B-S-T-A-F-F.com. All right, let's get back to Greg. Your agency seems to be at a point where you are clearly treated as a partner and content has clearly played a role in that, but you've also said that that's not hasn't been your entire focus. Um, so how else have you grown so far up until this point? Sure. And again, it depends on how you define content <laughs> um, in that, you know, we haven't relied exclusively on content marketing. You know, sure, we do the things we're, you know, the quote unquote things we're supposed to do. Um, you know, we've got, I think, you know, we built up a fairly decent you know, um, library of content on the blog. Um, I don't think it's all as good as it could be. Um, and we're not as consistent as we should be all of, you know, we're breaking all the rules that we tell our clients never to break. Um, but we've got content there. Um, and it's fairly well optimized and we've got, um, you know, we have a newsletter that goes out at least semi-regularly and, you know, we've actually gotten business from that, which, um, I think is a rare thing for an agency to say that somebody's actually called up and said, Hey, I get your newsletter and I just decided to reach out after a year and a half. Um, but so we're doing those things. Um, but you know, I think that reaching out and doing even podcasts like this one is important and yes, it's content, right? Any word that comes out of my mouth is content. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, I'm piggybacking on somebody else's content, of course yours. Um, but you know, I think, you know, kind of finding the right places to be visible and create visible visibility for your agency is important. Not that I'm thinking I'm going to get a lot of business out of this particular podcast, but certainly going on a podcast that targets financial services marketers, for example, 
could could result in business. Um, I think speaking is another great way to generate awareness and interest for your agency. Um, even better if you can get paid to speak, but nonetheless, you know, um, getting out there and be, being on the stage at a conference certainly gets you more, builds more credibility than being in the audience at the conference. So looking at the website, so you've spoken at almost 100 different events. And so do you consider that part of your content strategy? Um, I do consider speaking part of part of the content strategy. Um, I'm in a little bit of a unique situation in that I've been speaking for I don't know 20 years now on a variety of different topics. You know, when I was um, I, I think I started speaking when I was at a an online video startup in the early days of online video pre YouTube. So I you know talked on that topic uh, mostly to promote the company. Um, you know, then I was at a big agency and they threw me out on the speaking circuit to basically just, you know, kind of, you know, play big agency thought leadership, you know, thought leader to build the visibility for that agency. When I wrote my book and then, um, was a partner in a social media agency, I spoke about social for a number of years. Um, you know, I've kind of found a speaking niche in digital transformation, which I can draw the connective tissue between digital transformation and content strategy, but that's not really where I focus in my talks. Um, it's been interesting because I almost feel like in some ways I live a double life um, because I'm talking about kind of, you know, big picture digital business transformation when I get on the stage and then I come back home and I sit down and my wife and my partner, we do content all day. Um, <laughs> but um, what I do find is that even if I'm speaking on one topic and consulting or, or delivering on another, um, being on the stage does absolutely get me into conversations with people. Um, so I do see that as part of a, as part of a content strategy, absolutely. And it's funny. It makes me think of, are you familiar with Andy Crestedina? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and it's funny because he's one of the, the big names in the content marketing space. He has a content marketing conference, Content Jam, every year in Chicago. But his agency, Orbit Media Studios, doesn't do content at all. And so it, it seems like he's living a similar double life to you as well where you can find the connective tissue because he always says if people who have content marketing concerns have website concerns they have other things that the agency can service but the meat of it doesn't always kind of draw out those connective tissues as you said but it still clearly has an impact on raising awareness building authority which like you said earlier ultimately does lead to more clients what does the future look like for Verdino and company? So, I mean, there, we're thinking about a number of different possible paths right now. Um, on the one hand, having been in both specialized agencies, including this one, right, um, but also being in more general agencies, um, I've been pleasantly but consistently surprised that the more specialized and the more clear we can be about what we provide to our customers, um, the better we're able to increase our close rate and you know, waste less time pitching and, and writing proposals. Um, so on the one hand, I feel like it, you know the, our future is more of the same, only a little bit bigger every day. Um, you know, we certainly want to remain focused. We want to have a clear value proposition. I have no delusions that we're going to become a, like the mythical all purpose, you know, uh, full service agency. 
which nobody really is and, you know, clients tend not to even want. Um, you know, so, you know, certainly this kind of like continuing down the road of, towards of specialization is absolutely our future. Um, you know, we're also thinking about, and this goes to a lot of what I was saying early in the conversation as we were talking about, you know, kind of thinking about kind of content at the core of the company and thinking about how content gets used by different people across the company. What we're really doing now is like looking at the projects that we do, we've done that have been particularly um, well executed, particularly fun for us, um, and have delivered particular value to our clients. Um, and of course, we believe everything delivers value to our clients, whether our clients believe it or not. But there are certain kinds of things that we feel we just are well suited to just knock out of the park. Um, so we're actually even looking at, and this is kind of, I don't know that it's a binary choice, but, um, you know, I don't think we can go in both directions at once. You know, one is, kind of becoming even more specialized. Like we don't just do content, but we specifically do these kinds of content for these kinds of organizations. Um, and that's all we do. And if you want, for example, blog posts, go find somebody else. And I'm just making that up. I'm not saying we don't write blog posts. The other thing that I'm thinking about is maybe, you know, how do we potentially even change the conversation about what we do? Uh, so for example, are we a content agency or are we a, let's say, sales enablement agency that uses content to help your sales team sell better? Or are we an executive communications agency who helps your CEO tell a better story, right? So these are all, I'm just throwing these out as possibilities, but we're really, I guess, with the bottom line being, from my perspective, the more we can niche, the faster we will grow. Mm-hmm. And I like how those different options you presented because those were much more benefit focus than than saying your content shop because content is just the tool it's not the goal that that people are looking for exactly and and that was thankfully despite my rambling response you got where i was going with that and i think that that to me is important because i think as you know clients are looking to make every dollar work even harder than they worked last year and harder than the year before that right so um, even if budgets are expanding in some cases, they're still looking for harder working dollars. And I think tying what we do, we collectively as agency people, to the outcomes that the client is willing to pay for ultimately pulls us out of the commodity bucket that, you know, where we're kind of like the chum in the bucket that's just like kind of pitching every piece of business and racing to the bottom, right? Right. And so to wrap up, what is something that you think agency owners can do right now to to start moving towards this specialization, to start finding a way to really stand out in the market and get after what it is that their clients ultimately care about? I think it's, um, I mean, it's a number of things. I mean, certainly, um, as stupid as this sounds, and maybe it doesn't sound that stupid, but you've got to talk to your clients, right? <laughs> um, and I know we talk to our clients every day, but we tend to talk to our clients within the context of the project that we're doing for that client right now or the next project we're going to close. And I think you can get a lot of valuable insight about, from speaking to a client about what they value in you, what they see as your point of differentiation. Now, it might not all fit with your vision for the agency, um, but it's interesting to hear from clients what they think makes you different. Um, certainly, I think you know the same way you would do a competitive analysis for a client, you need to perform a competitive analysis on your own business and understand, you know, are you truly 
talking about the things you do in a way that's different from the way everybody else talks about the things you do. And you mentioned um, Drew McClellan's podcast, obviously, early in our conversation. And, you know, he's famous for saying, you know, go to every, you know, go to all of your competitors' websites. You're all saying the very same things. You're all saying we're a full service agency. We put creativity first. We're a partner to our client. We're, there's this long list of things. We're innovative. We're, um, we're digital first, whatever it is. Everybody's saying the same stuff. Um, so I think, you know, kind of some combination of talking to your clients and um, doing competitive will start to, if nothing else, open your eyes to the reality that you're not necessarily positioning yourself as strongly as you could and certainly not as strongly as you would suggest your client positions themselves, right? Um, so I think that's an important set of exercises to go through. And I think it's important to really think about um, kind of looking inward now, um, kind of what what is the work that is truly, that, that really drives you as an agency owner? And what is the work that you that your agency is uniquely set up to knock out of the park every time? Um, you know, and I have this conversation with an agency owner, friend of mine all the time, where like the stuff that his agency does really, really well, he's just not passionate about. Um, now you've got a, you know, now you have a choice, you know, do you follow your passion or do you do the work that's going to pay the bills? And, you know, there's no one right answer to that. Every agency owner needs to make a decision, but I can say for a fact, his agency would be three to four times the size it is now if he just focused on the work that clients want to buy instead of the stuff that he thinks is interesting. You know, so there's that balance between are you building a business or you're building a lifestyle business. There's all sorts of things that need to kind of be considered. And, you know, ultimately, I would say, you know, there's, you know, I'm not sure somebody smarter than me, but I know it's fairly common, you know, kind of logic is that like a strategy is just as much about what you choose not to do as what you choose to do. And I think an agency is defined by the things you don't offer. Um, so I think, you know, kind of being rigorous and, and relentless and ruthless and saying, listen, we are not going to do these things because we hate doing them or we're not good at them or everybody else offers them and we can't differentiate or whatever the reason is. Um, I think kind of cutting back and focusing and truly becoming different, I think, is the most important thing an agency can do. I mean, I couldn't agree more with you. And it's something that a lot of guests on this show really hammer home. And so I hope listeners out there can, can take that to heart because it, it's not about necessarily going down and, and picking one technology for one industry and that's all you're going to do the rest of your life. But it's just getting a little bit smarter about the services you offer, how you position them and who you're selling them to. And honestly, Greg, you shared a ton with us today. So if listeners are, are curious, they want to hear more from you, they want to learn more about your agency, where are the best places for them to go to do that? Um, probably the easiest place to go would be our website, uh, which is verdino.co. Uh, no M, uh, the co is in Verdino and co. Um, you can find us again, Verdino underscore co on Twitter, on Facebook, on, on LinkedIn, um, or probably the best places, I think, um, for the most part. I'll make sure to get all that linked up in the show notes. And I just want to say, Greg, thanks so much. While there may always be some place in the world for content strategy that has just tacked on a business as a little more than an afterthought, if you or your clients want to leverage the power of content for all that it's worth, I agree with Greg that it needs to be a core part of the business. This changes a client-agency relationship entirely from that of just a vendor delivering commodity blog posts filled with 500 to 1,000 generic words to that of a real partnership. 
You'll still be delivering content, but it'll be a collaborative process designed to help get your client's story out in a way that's consistent with the rest of their business. And I know I'm probably preaching to the choir on this last point, but content is more than just the blog. The average agency owner probably isn't creating and executing a content strategy for their own agency, and it's not because they don't see the value. It's because they just don't have the time. And I can sit here as an outsider and say, you really need to dedicate time to your content strategy. But I know how busy things are for agency owners. That being said, if you do find the time, make sure that you're taking some of Greg's lessons from today and thinking beyond the blog to find ways to speak to your audience on their terms, not yours. That's all I have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews help us grow our audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See ya.